John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship. And uh, if you were with us over the last, uh, over the whole month of January, one of the things that you would have noticed is that we were going through a series entitled uh, No Regrets. And so uh, last week I uh, wrapped it up and said we were finishing our series on No Regrets. And then I realized when I got home and I was praying about on Monday, there was a message I'd left out. And if I'd have left it off, I would have had deep regret. So anyway, uh, today... We will wrap it up. But there was one more message I want to get to, and this is terribly important. Inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline uh, with the title at the top of it, Not Giving Up. This is important whether you are a teenager or whether you are 75 or you are anywhere in between. It doesn't make any difference. The, one of the devil's greatest tools is discouragement. Going through a hard time, hey, when the tough get going, let's quit. Well, or when the going gets tough, let's quit. But the rest of it should be, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. But we get so discouraged. And I meet with people all the time. And one of the deep, I met with a fellow just a few months ago, and his deepest regret was he had given up on his marriage. Never even went to see a counselor. Just gave up. And he said, you know, I've just come to realize a few years later, he said, I just, if I wouldn't have done that, if I would just gotten some counsel, if I would just tried, I could have saved the thing. Remember when we get, people have regrets, they get all the way to the last semester, just about to graduate, and then they gave up. It got tough. But what if we said this year, hey, this year, I'm not going to quit. I remember when my uh, kids were, uh, when my boys were younger and playing sports, we had a deal. Hey, if you're going to start a season, you finish the season. And sometimes you're going, Dad, I've been doing all this practice and it's so hard. I never get a chance to play. I'm riding the bench. And then, oh, I just wanna, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm so tired. And then the guy who's playing in front of him has an injury, and they play the whole game and go, oh, I love this team. What? Well, what if the opportunity is just around the corner? What if in 2017, what if today there's an opportunity for you to do something that you've always wanted to do? Tomorrow, a week from now, a month from now. And all we have to do is just stay at it. Just stay at it. I hope today you'll take this as a big encouragement. In 2017, I don't want to reach the end of this year and all of a sudden realize, oh, I could have had all this great stuff happen if I had just stayed with it a little bit longer. And today we're going to talk about resolutions to help us avoid that kind of regret. But we're going to talk about not giving up. I hope you'll take this as a pep talk today. God has some great things for us in this room, but we are also going to go through hard things in this world. Good news is God, God's word tells us how to get through it. I hope you leave here today greatly encouraged. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I want to thank you for today. I pray that today we will listen to your word and that you will inspire us to not give up. Not today. Not this year. Not on the things that are important. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll speak, move me out of the way, and say whatever you want said to us today. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. If you need a pen, raise your hand. One of the ushers will bring you one. You'll want to take some notes on this. A major source of regret in our lives comes from giving up. It's true. Give up on stuff just too soon. Ah, oh, we just stayed with it. Uh, classic examples from Numbers 13 and 14, and I didn't have room for all of the chapters, so these are just some highlights in here. That's why you see the little ellipsis, the dot, dot, dot in there. I'm just hitting the highlights here, but... This is when the children of Israel had been crying out to God for hundreds of years, please rescue us from slavery in Egypt. And God did. He sent a deliverer, a man named Moses. And Moses led them out, and God rescued them through a series of miraculous plagues uh, from the Egyptians. He finally let them go, and when they chased after the Israelites, God parted the Red Sea. The Israelites crossed on dry ground when 
Pharaoh and his charioteers came after him. They drove down into the bottom of the sea and the water closed over them and they drowned. God had provided manna for them in the wilderness, bread from heaven every morning, led them by a pillar of cloud during the day, pillar of fire at night. They didn't even have to be afraid of the dark. And after many months of journeying, they finally got just to the edge of the promised land. And you'd think, man, with all that behind them, they're going to go in there and they're going to conquer this and it'll be great. But that's not what happened. On the edge of success, at the, with, on the one foot line from the finish line, they gave up. Here's how it went down. After exploring the land for 40 days, they got to the edge. Moses had told um, each of the 12 tribes, that was their major divisions there, to send one man from each tribe to be a spy. And so they sent out 12 spies into the land for 40 days. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned. And this was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there. Well, Caleb, one of the 12 spies, tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. I mean, he, he, like everybody else, had seen all the miracles God had performed. He'd walked through the Red Sea just like they had, and he goes, if God can do that, let's go. What are we waiting for? But the other men who'd explored the land with him disagreed. No, we can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report among uh, the land, of the land among the Israelites. And the land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there, they said. All the people we saw were huge. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Well, then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night, Oh, why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. And then they plotted among themselves, Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. I mean, they cried out for hundreds of years to be released from slavery. They get to the edge of the promised land, and they become so fearful, they're going to go back to slavery. And then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, I've heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me. Now tell them this. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I'll do to, the, do to you the very things I heard you say. You will all drop dead in this wilderness because you complained against me. Every one of you who is 20 years old or older will die. You will not enter and occupy the land I swore to give you. The only exceptions would be Caleb and Joshua, two of the 12 who were faithful of the spies. You said your children would be carried off as plunder? Well, I'll bring them safely into the land, and they'll enjoy what you have despised. And when Moses reported the Lord's word to all the Israelites, the people were filled with grief. Well, I guess so. In fact, the story goes on to say that a bunch of them decided to go in anyway. And Moses said, it's not going to work. I mean, God was the one who was going to deliver them to you on your own. You can't do it. And they went in and got soundly beaten. And finally, everybody turned around. And for the next 40 years, they wandered through the wilderness until a whole generation died off because they wouldn't finish. They gave up. Man, you talk about regret. I don't want that in 2017. You don't want that in 2017. Just because we face something scary, let's quit. Just because this is going to take some faith, let's quit. Just because I don't know how to do it yet, I'm going to quit. Not this year. Not this year. And that brings us to point B. We have to be realistic, first of all, about where we are in life and how important this is. 
Point B says, although we will all face trials and painful situations, God doesn't want us to give up. And I, I you write the word all in there. I don't want any of us to be under any illusions that we're not going to face hard times in 2017. We all will. I talked with somebody recently, and they said, well, I became a Christian a while back, and then I'm going through some difficulties. What's wrong? Well, nothing's wrong. So I thought after I became a Christian, it would all just be peaches and cream, or whatever works for you there, something good, okay? I thought it would all be amazing. It would be easy sliding. It would just be great. And I went, no. When you and I become Christians now, God is living inside of us and giving us direction and strength, but he's even going to use the hard times to strengthen us and help us overcome difficulties. Jesus told his disciples this, In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Never fall for this idea, a false idea, that, hey, if I'm a Christian, then I'll never have problems. Or if I'm a part of a church, that I'll never disagree with anybody in the church. That happens all the time, too. There's people in my connect group that I disagreed with. They must not be Christians, because I'm always right. What? No, that's not the way it works. Or we move out of a perfectly good neighborhood. Well, some people moved in that I didn't like. I'm going to keep moving until I find a neighborhood where I like all my neighbors. Good luck with that. And what if they don't like you? And all too often, we can keep looking for perfect. And the truth is, in heaven one day, there'll be no difficulties. But my friends, we're not in heaven. We're in Alabama. Okay? And it's pretty good. But it ain't heaven. Can we all agree with that? Yeah, okay. So in this world, in Alabama, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Who said that? Jesus did. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen? Okay, well, here are some other things we can take heart in. Life application, God will always be with us through every circumstance. You know, when we disagree with others, when there's pain, when there's illness and injury and setbacks, God promises to be with us. Not, this isn't just something new I'm talking about here. This is all through the Bible. I'm just handpicking a couple of illustrations here. You can't miss this. When Paul wrote to the Christians living in Rome, many of them as Christians have been through some very hard times. Some of them went through poverty. Some of them went through illness and injury. Some of them went through persecution. I mean, they were beaten for being a Christian. And they were going, hey, what gives here, Paul? Listen to what he said. Does it mean God no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life nor angels or demons, our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus told his disciples that he was going to go prepare a place for them in heaven, but he said he'd, send, he'd ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit who would be in us. And so he's always with us through every circumstance. So one of the reasons why we can hold our chin up and not give up when we're going through difficulties is God is always with us. If that's good news, would you say amen? Amen. amen. Here's another reason we can keep our chin up and not quit. If you open up your outline, it's another life application here. God will cause all things to work together for our good. As believers, as people called according to his purpose, listen to Romans 8, 28. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And please underline the words, his purpose. 
God causes everything to work together for that good. Do not think it says this. God causes everything to work together so I'll always be happy. That is not what the Bible says. Do you know that it's his purpose as my heavenly father to teach me some things that are lacking in my life? Well, if he wants me to learn patience, guess what I'm going to have to do? Wait. That does not make me happy. If I'm going to have to learn endurance, that means I'm going to be going through some hard things for a while where I have to endure. If God's going to teach me generosity, then I'm going to have to give away something that I like very much. And that won't necessarily make me happy. But God will cause it to make me more generous, more patient, more enduring, a person of more of a stronger character. I had coaches that coached me in basketball. They'd make us run sprints till we literally sometimes threw up. I never enjoyed that. I promise you. But at the end of the season, when some other teams were out of gas and we still had a little bit left in the tank, we were glad for it. We were glad for it. When you're playing an overtime session and you still got something left in your legs, you're glad for it. The conditioning was all worth it. God knows what's best for us, and he will use even the hard things for our good if we'll trust him. I mean, put it together here. We're going to go through hard times. God will always be with us. He's going to cause all things to work together for our good. Listen to Romans 5.3. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. See, every time I run through trials and I don't quit and I don't quit and I don't quit and I don't quit, and then finally I see that answer to prayer, finally I see that, hey, my, my attitude changed because my viewpoint changed and now I'm, a, now I'm a better person for this, I go, oh, this is all true. I mean, everything in here is true. And now my hope is built on the word of God and built on a real experience, not some pie in the sky, oh, so you just say hope is, hope is just Believe in things you know aren't true. That's what some people say. Mm-mm, that's not hope. Hope is believing things you know are true because you've seen God do miracles in the past. Hope is believing God will change people because he changed you. Hope is believing that even when I go through hard times, God's up to things that are beyond me. And that brings us to the next thing here, the next life application. God will reward us if we don't give up. He'll reward us with endurance and patience, and stronger character, and hope. He'll reward us in heaven. Paul again, Galatians 6, 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. I mean, a whole harvest of blessing. Grew up on a wheat farm in Kansas. There was a certain window when the wheat was ripe, and you had to harvest it then. It did no good to harvest it too soon. It was a mistake to harvest it too late, but it was right there. At just the right time, you could go harvest And you were ready for it, but you couldn't rush it. The wheat was ripe when it was ripe. And that makes sense to us. Well, we need to trust that the Lord has a different sense of timing than we do. There are many times in my life I go, well, Lord, this is enough. I mean, I'm, I'm ready for the answer now. I've prayed about this twice for like three minutes. Come on, chop, chop. And I was going, no, no, no. Do you know that some of the prayers we've been working on for 20 years, if I'm praying for a relative who's been struggling with alcoholism, if I'm praying for a 
a friend who just really doesn't know what he or she wants to do with his, his or her life. Some of those things, it takes a while for those priorities to bubble up. It takes a while for people to get to the end of themselves. And do you know that God's going to answer that prayer in the minute when it's ready? Let's go. But all too often, I give up. Ah, they'll never change. Ah, nothing's ever going to happen. Give up. Perfectly good marriage. Perfectly good job. Can't do it. Too hard. I quit. Not this year. Not this year. So I've given you seven resolutions I want you to consider. We've done this in virtually every message in the series. They'll help us, they'll help keep us from regret and help us not give up. Not this year. Please consider these. The more of these we do, the better off we'll be. You'll see how they all fit together. Resolution number one, this year I'll read God's word daily, every day. And you go, well, John, yeah, you got to say that. I mean, you're a, minute, you're a preacher, okay? So you get a free microwave in heaven if you include this in every sermon, okay? Or whatever, you know. No, it's not true. What, the reason I'm saying this is because the Bible says that this is exactly how it works. Okay, we told you the story how they wouldn't go in. That whole generation died except for Joshua and Caleb. Well, Joshua was the one who took Moses' place as leader when they went in. And this is, so fast forward 40 years from the story we read a little bit about on the first page. And this is now Joshua 1. This is the Lord speaking to Joshua about to go in. What the spies were not wrong about is the cities were fortified. And there were big people like Goliath. They really, there were large people and large fortified cities. And the battles, some of them would be very intense. And they still needed to go in and fight them. And so here's the Lord speaking to Joshua. Joshua, be strong and very courageous. Be able to obey all the, uh, be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left, and then you'll be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. And this was prospering and succeeding in what God wanted him to do. And Joshua did it. And the Bible says that not only did Joshua obey, but all the people of his generation did. They'd seen their parents die in the wilderness, and they said, we don't want any of that. We're going God's way. And God blessed their socks off. Now, what if you and I took God seriously at his word, and this year we read a little bit of it every day, and when it told us we needed to apologize, we'd apologize. When it told us we need to try again, we'd try again. When we got encouragement or we realized, hey, I'm wrong, I'm prideful, or I'm stubborn, I'm, or whatever else I am, we'd, we'd say, Lord, help me. And what would happen if we actually read it and obeyed what it said? God says, well, then I'll make you prosperous and successful. See, if I read God's word every day, I'm going to get his perspective on life, and that's going to keep me from getting filled with despair and giving up. Maybe a week before everything's about to change. Not this year. This year, I'm going to read God's word, and I'm going to apply it. If I do that every day, I'm going to have a much better perspective. Resolution number two. This year, I'm going to keep praying. As I mentioned before, we can pray for stuff. You know, there are things I've prayed for in my life. I prayed for 10 years, 15 years. One of them was the starting of this church. I prayed for, to be the pastor of this church 15 years before that opportunity ever came around. 
My wife can tell you, I prayed and prayed, and I talked to her about it. She was worn out. And in God's timing, all this happened. And I, it would take forever to tell you how many things came together at just the right time. Jesus told his disciples about this. He said, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in, the dispute, in this dispute with my enemy. And the judge ignored her for a while. And finally he said to himself, look, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. And then the Lord said, now learn a lesson from the unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he'll grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will we find on earth who have faith? How many of us will keep praying? More than once. More than twice. Year after year. Well, why would I need to pray year after year? Because let's not get tired of doing what's good at just the right time. We'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. The key is at just the right time. God's timing is different than mine. I believe it must be kind of difficult to run the whole universe. And maybe he's thinking about things that have never entered my little two-watt brain. In fact, I'm certain that he is. I'm certain he's thinking about things in your life too. Can I remind you this year, if you've been praying for a relative, if you've been praying for a breakthrough at your job, if you've been praying through a breakthrough in your marriage, if you've been praying for someone else, and if you're going, this is never going to change, don't give up this year. What if a breakthrough is happening in four hours? I mean, that could happen. And when it comes, you'll be able to call and tell everybody, hey, you're never going to believe this. Ran into a fellow in Montgomery a while back, and he said, I just want to thank you for being there I, uh, uh, and for your church for being there. Somebody had uh, come to Centerpoint, a relative of his, and he and his mom had been praying for him. For the, he said, my mom's been praying for him for 20 years. I mean, you don't know that, but that's been what's happening. And he found a small group and got to be a part of it. Changed his whole life. Changed his whole life. You have no idea what an answer to prayer that's been. I mean, I didn't. I didn't know. But thank God they didn't give up. Thank God they didn't quit praying. Let's not quit praying this year. Jesus said, he told them that story to show they should always pray and never give up. God's timing is different than mine. And what if this is the year for a breakthrough? What if this is the year? What if we're a, a minute away? Let's keep praying. Third resolution. This year I'll surround myself with Christian friends. I mentioned small groups. I can't tell you how important they are here. We call them connect groups. How important this is. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. Someone who falls alone, they're in real trouble. Person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And this is why we need Christian friends. And see what the devil would love to do is he'd love to get us sideways with each other, get our feelings hurt. I don't need church. I don't need friends. 
I'm going to go alone. And then he can pick us off one by one. I mean, out there by myself. I can get cold. I can get lonely. I can get confused. I can get discouraged. But if I have a friend, hey, they're not going to let that happen. Some of you have heard me share this before. When I started working on my seminary degree, I was 30 years old. And the only way I was going to be able to pay for it and get it done is if I went half speed. It was a three-year degree. If you went full-time, it would be six years the way I was planning to go through it. I mapped it out, and I went, oh, six years. And I called a friend of mine who's a godly Christian friend who prayed for me years for years, lives in Houston. And I said, you know, hey, you know, he said, I've been praying about starting seminary. He said, John, you need the seminary. Are you going to start? And I go, no, I don't think so. It's too hard. I think I need to give up on that. He goes, why? And I go, well, I'm 30 years old. If I go according to this, I'll be 36 when I graduate. He said, well, how old will you be if you don't go? I went 36. He said, well, then I think you should go. He goes, the only thing that's holding you back is that it's going to take six years. He said, I didn't know you were afraid of doing hard things. I said, well, I'm not. Well, then go. And that brings us to resolution number four. Resolve, this year I'll seek wise counsel. If you have anybody you seek counsel from, you can call. And if you put before with a star and underline before you quit, please, as a pastor, will you come see me about your marriage before you get divorced? Please, please. Before you give up on God, before you give up on your connect group, will you please come see us before? I mean, it's not that we're not willing to meet with people after divorce. Please understand that. But how much better if you could get counsel and stop it? Get all the advice and instruction you can so you'll be wise the rest of your life. Through good, though good advice lies deeper than the heart, a person with understanding will draw it out. Sometimes I don't even know what's going on in my heart. You know, I'm praying for somebody. They don't seem to have a good career. Well, that's why it's so important to get counseling. What do you really want to do with your life? And a wise person can draw that out. Sometimes there's no way to reconcile a relationship until you go see a counselor, and then they can figure out a way to get things together. Sometimes I don't know how to manage my money, and then you get before a, a financial counselor and go, well, here's how you do your retirement. Here's how you pay off debt. Oh, I don't have to give up. I got counsel before I quit. Because this year I don't, I don't want to live with the regret of going, man, if I'd have just gotten counsel, I wouldn't have had to go through all that mess. This year, I'm going to get counsel. And then it's also tied with number five here. This year, I'll share my goals with a trusted friend to hold me accountable. I mean, what I want, I'll... I'll get a friend to hold me accountable, like that guy in Texas for me. I didn't know you were afraid of hard things. Hey, what right do you have to say that? I mean, that's sometimes why people leave church, too, because a friend will tell them something they disagree with, or they'll tell them something that's hard to hear. Hey, you need to keep going, or that's not right, or you need to apologize. Well, I don't have to take that. Well, no, not if we want to keep going the wrong way. But listen to this scripture, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. 
I want to remind you, when iron sharpens iron, sometimes sparks fly. A true friend is somebody who will tell you the truth even when it hurts. That's the kind of connect groups we want. We build real relationships. You can talk to people one-on-one. Hey, I'm thinking about quitting. Don't you quit. Ah, this is going to take six years. I didn't know you were afraid of hard things. I didn't give up on that friend. I've thanked him many times. And by the way, I did get that degree. But it was largely because of his encouragement. I knew God was calling me to it. I just needed a kick in the rump to get going. Do you have anybody who can give you a godly kick in the rump? I've never used that before as a phrase. That would be a good way to look at it. Hey, do you think there's more? And by the way, are there more passages that say the same thing? Oh, yeah. Let a righteous man strike me. It'll be a kindness. The blows of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. Hmm. I won't have friends like that unless I'm willing to meet with them, unless I'm willing to work through problems. Because friends like that, it's going to be real relationships, and sometimes it's going to get messy, and sometimes I'm going to have to talk and work through stuff, and I can't quit. Don't quit. Not this year. I'm going to lean into accountability. I'm going to find wise counsel. I'm going to surround myself with Christian friends. I'm going to read God's word every day. And here's number six. This year, I'm going to memorize scripture passages that will help me endure. Not just read it, but I'm going to find a few that are dealing with exactly my issue. And I'm going to commit them to memory. I'm going to write them on a card. I'll stick them on my dashboard. I'll put a sticky note on the mirror so I can see it when I'm getting dressed in the morning. I'm going, to do, I'm going to put this in my head. I'm going to reflect on it over and over again. Because the Bible tells us this, that we're to put on all of God's armor, this is Ephesians 6, so we'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We are in a spiritual battle. And many times when I talk about spiritual battle, people think, oh, this is like it is in some horror movie where somebody, if you're in a spiritual battle, it means somebody's head is spinning around and they're projectile vomiting. Okay, well, if that was a spiritual battle and the devil played his cards that way, this church would be packed all the time because that would scare the fool out of us and drive us to church. That's not the way he operates at all. He operates through discouragement. Well, that's not fair. That's not right. Shouldn't be that way. I'm too tired. I don't need help. I can do it by myself. I'm good. Other people aren't reasonable. How come no one's looking out for me? I quit. I quit. And the devil is licking his chops. Well, how do I argue against such reasoning like people should be nicer to me and people should be looking for me and how come they're not all bowing down to me? Well, there's tons of scripture I can find. And what if I committed that to memory? Then it's like having a sword that's strapped to my side. I can whip that any time I go, no, I'm not giving into this. Now, what scripture do you need? Well, that's why it's important to be a part of a small group and seek wise counsel. You call me, we can come up with one together. It depends on what issues you struggle with. Some of us struggle with gluttony. Some of us struggle with drinking too much. Some of us struggle with laziness or getting motivated. Some of us are workaholics. Could be on either extreme. Some of us could struggle with anger. Some of us could struggle with talking too much. Just depends. 
But this is why you get Christian friends who can help you, pray with you, and even hold you accountable to memorizing this. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's right here. I've chewed on it, meditated on it, till I got it cold. And when I'm tempted with that thought to give up, when I'm tempted with that thought to give in, when I'm tempted to think I'm right all the time and everybody else is wrong, I can pull out the scripture and go, no. Mm-mm. I mean, here's, here's even a verse you might want to consider about not giving up. 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have no idea what's not on your outline. It should be. I just forgot to write it on there. Just listen to it. 2 Timothy 4, 7. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Paul was saying he was about to die. He's writing Timothy. He said, I didn't give in. I finished. Man. When I was playing ball, we wanted to finish the season strong. When in the middle of the game, we want to finish the game strong. If I go to work, I want to be the best employee I can be. I want to finish the week strong, not coast into Friday. This year, I'm not going to give up. Not this year. If there's an issue I'm dealing with, I'm going to meditate on it and pray about it and memorize it. So I've got the Word of God ready to handle when, that I can handle whenever the devil comes at me. Finally, here's a seventh resolution. This year, I'll worship God personally and corporately as often as I can. Look, I am preaching to the choir right here. You're all in a worship service today. But you'd be amazed at how easy it is to write off worship. Ah, it's too cold. It's too hot. Too windy. Too nice. Too many people. Not enough people there. It's too hot. It's too cold. I don't like some of the people I'm sitting around. I like everybody, and they talk too much. Okay? I mean, you can make any excuse you want for not being a part of a worship service. And the devil will make sure you've got them all. But you know what happens when we come to worship? Our eyes get on Jesus and off of ourselves. Our eyes start getting fixated on his power and his glory and his forgiveness and his love. And then all the problems start to fade. And he knows that. And he'll do anything he can to keep us away from worship. Listen to how David talked about it, Psalm 63. Oh God, you're my God, and earnestly I search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there's no water. I've seen you in your sanctuary. I've gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I'll praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. For you satisfy me more than the richest feast. I'll praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through through the night. Because you are my helper, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. David would sing for joy in the sanctuary. He'd sing for joy in the middle of the night. There's nothing that lifts our spirit more than worship. Can I beg you not to skip out on worship when we gather together? Can I beg you to write out some hymns and sing them to yourself? Nobody has to hear. Roll the windows up. They won't hear you. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Then we'll have strength, so we won't give up. That's what worship does. It helps us keep our eyes on Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. If we focus on him, then the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Can we pray? Lord, I just pray that this year we will not give up. I don't know where everybody is. I pray that people here this morning have come in and everything's going right for them. This is the best year they've ever had so far. But I know, Lord, that all of us will face trials 
they'll either be relational trials or financial trials or health concerns, concerns with our neighbors, concerns with our friends, concerns with family, concerns with people in this church, concerns with people in the community, maybe our boss, maybe our teammates, maybe fellow students. I don't know. And Lord, we're going to go through trials. And the question will be, Lord, will we turn to you and will we ask you to guide us through it or are we just going to throw up our hands and give up? I pray that this year we will not. I pray that we'll read your word. I pray that we will talk to you about things and we will keep on praying even if we don't get an answer for many, 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 many days or months or even years. I pray, Lord, you'd give us good Christian friends who can hold us accountable and give us good counsel that you'd show us what scriptures we can commit to memory so we have something to fight the devil with. And Lord, that we would be a regular in our attendance in worship. And we'd worship you in private and sing songs to praise your name so the devil would not get us all wrapped up in grief and shame and fear. Oh God, I don't want to be like those Israelites one foot on the other side of the border and turning around. Not this year. I want everything you have in store for me. If anything I've been praying about has resonated with you this morning, you said, Lord, that's me. I want everything that you have in store for me this year. Help me not give up. Give me courage. Give me wisdom. Give me godly friends. Give me a hunger for worship in your word. If those things resonate with you, then pray right now and say, God, I heard you. That's what I want. That's what I want. That's what I want. With all my heart, my soul longs for this. Oh God, I pray these things with all my heart this morning. Help us not give up. Not this year. I pray these things in the name of Jesus, the one who never gave up on me. Amen.